This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 219, The 7702 Changes, Life Insurance Disaster or Christmas Miracle. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Do you know the phrase, the smoke-filled room? You know, with high intense negotiations and pushes and pulls of political power? Well, the original smoke-filled room was in Chicago's Blackstone Hotel, where, according to an enduring legend, a small group of powerful United States senators gathered to arrange the nomination of Warren G. Harding as a Republican candidate for the president in 1920. Meeting at that Coliseum, the convention deadlocked on Friday, June 11th. At a suite in Blackstone Hotel, Republican leaders held a series of discussions that went late into the night. Though leaning toward Harding, at that point, participants did not control the convention. But when the Associated Press reported that Harding had been chosen in a smoke-filled room, that phrase entered the American political lexicon. And ever since, smoke-filled rooms has been a place behind the scenes where cigar-smoking party bosses intrigue to choose candidates. And guys, I gotta say, something happened just like that in a smoke-filled room in the waning hours of 2020. As the proverbial clock struck midnight in 2020, December, to, to move us to 2021, Congress fought over how to deliver a second round of stimulus in the United States. The end result was a watered-down version of the legislation passed earlier in the year in terms of cash payments to certain Americans, but the bill itself contained a number of provisions, like most congressional bills these days, that had little to nothing to do with the financial assistance for struggling Americans due to COVID-19. And in fact, the punchline of this smoke-filled room is that life insurance snuck its way into this giant omnibus spending package making it a new rule allowing life insurance companies to manufacture life insurance products with different accumulation rates and guarantees. What happened, and it amounts to what Bobby Samuelson calls a Christmas miracle that changed uh, what was introduced, I believe it will be immensely positive for Bank on Yourself and will position whole life insurance to thrive in an environment of very low interest rates, which is what we're currently mired down in right now. Now, first of all, let's talk about what Section 7702 of the IRS tax code is. That's the section of the Internal Revenue Code that defines life insurance for tax purposes. And it's literally not been changed in decades. It's continued to persist in its current form for over 30 years. Uh, now the tax limitations in Section 7702 as it relates to life insurance are calculated by asking a simple question. What is the amount of premium that can fund a policy, and stay in force based on life insurance expenses and assumed interest rates. That last piece there, assumed interest rates, is going to be important for today. The law, the new law, lowers that minimum interest rate to determine whether accommodations of savings and death benefit policies known as permanent life insurance are more like an investment and should qualify for investment-related taxes or if it's more like life insurance and should be afforded the tax advantages granted to life insurance. The interest rate floor that was put in place in 1984 
to weed out policies that were mostly investment vehicles with like a thin layer of insurance layered on top was higher than it is today. Lowering that rate allows owners of policies now in today's day and age to put even more into the savings portion of the life insurance policy, the cash value part. And it makes it even more feasible for insurers to offer policies since rates have really tumbled so far in the past decade since 1980s and 90s and 2000s and beyond have really lowered the overall long-term government bond yields. That's what's led many insurers to warn that they might quit selling whole life insurance policies. What? Do I have your attention? For folks that are interested in bank on yourself to hear insurance companies quitting the business, that should be a wake-up call. So this is where things get really interesting. So again, in December 2020, the law passed. The revised law in Section 7702 allows insurance companies to manufacture life insurance policies with minimum guaranteed rates that are lower than rates allowable under the previous law from 1984 till 2020. So for the most part, this reduction takes the previous guaranteed rate of 4% and drops it to 2%. The life insurance industry advocated for this rule. They want this rule to be able to permit a reduced guaranteed rate due to the current interest rate levels in the United States. The old minimum guaranteed rate established in the 80s came at times when rates were super high, significantly higher than they are today. The insurance industry argued that it was unfair to build product guarantees based on a model established in a time when rates were reaching double-digit territory. So let's kind of zoom down the ladder for a bit and just talk about this as normal human beings. When you put money into a life insurance policy, there's a kind of relationship between how much money you can contribute and the amount of death benefit that this policy purchases. So that relationship is due to the fact that every single whole life insurance policy must absolutely guarantee that your cash value will grow to equal your death benefit by the end of the contract's term, which is age 121 years old. Now, regardless of whether or not you live that long, that contract must guarantee that your cash value will grow to equal your death benefit by that particular age 121. They have to pick some age, put it way out there into the future. So that's that's going to include a calculation, right? That's going to include and even assumes a current certain guaranteed interest rate that's borne on the shoulders of the insurance company to get that interest rate into their general fund. So that guaranteed interest rate must be met in order for them to meet their contractual obligation to you to let that cash value grow to that death benefit by that specific age 121. So for almost 40 years now, that's been a 4% set guaranteed rate. That 4% number is a risk to the insurance company. These insurance companies felt like they could no longer take in such low interest rate environments. 4% was becoming a strain on the insurance companies and they were doing the math and saw that it was restricting how much the policyholders could put into policies. So imagine this for a minute. If you're assuming a certain interest rate and that cash value is going to grow at a higher interest rate, then they have to constrain your premium to be able to equal that 4% growth rate to equal your death benefit at age 121. So why life insurance companies wanted this change to section 7702 and what it did for them is really interesting. Life insurance companies had been previously pushing for this change so they could continue to operate a sustainable and profitable business, protecting the American policyholders amid, I'd say, continuously declining interest rates. You see, interest rates were really high, again, in the early 1980s, when that 7702 rule was enacted. 
and the actuarial interest rate assumptions remained basically static in the tax code until now. They, they hard-coded 4% right into the tax law. Now, those interest rate assumptions of 4% or even 6% seem really conservative when you're you know, watching um, Ninja Turtles in the 1980s, but these actuarial assumptions today put insurance companies in a big-time bind after the Fed drastically cut rates in 2020 responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. Life insurance companies also earn part of their profit by investing customers' premiums until they need those monies again for payouts. And the investment portfolios are going to be heavily leaning on high-quality bonds. Insurance company portfolio yields have declined since a peak in 10-year treasury yields. So that 10-year treasury yield has gone from 16% in 1980s down to just over 1% today. Imagine what that means. The insurance investment yields dropped to the point where they were bumping right up against their ability to pay that 4% interest rate on that policy. And so they're facing a dilemma. Whole life as we know it might cease to exist or at least be severely compromised if major changes didn't take place. So although yields inside the insurance company general accounts were declining, the products they were offering to policyholders were still tied to that higher 7702 assumption derived from super high interest rates in the 80s. So those guaranteed growth rates set and promised in whole life insurance policies were based on those outdated parameters. So according to the Wall Street Journal, the U.S. House staff said that the changes to the code, the tax law, Section 7702, were really necessary to reflect current economic realities and give consumers access to the financial security via permanent life insurance policies. So they're saying, hey, this is a way for us to shore up our balance sheets and make sure that whole life can exist for future policyholders forever into the future. Now, otherwise, many life insurance companies would just simply go out of business or at least stop doing business to um, offer new policies to new clients. So what am I not saying? I'm not saying that the insurance companies would go out of business. I'm simply saying that they would stop offering new policies. So left untouched, the tax code section 7702 would obviously hurt the solvency of these insurance companies and their ability to offer new policies in the current economic environment. So let's think about this for a minute. If we're all agreeing that we can rely on an insurance company to give us 4% and their portfolio and our cash value will equal the death benefit in a certain age, then the amount of premium needed to grow your cash value to get to that death benefit is going to be restricted. The premium is going to be restricted due to that interest rate assumption. Think of it sort of like when you're riding with your buddy down the street and you notice his gas tank is running low. You and your friends see the blinking fuel light, and you're starting to feel a little sputtering coming from the tailpipe. But both you and your buddy continue down the road, hoping you can make it a few more miles to your destination without running out of gas. He guarantees, there's that word again, he guarantees that his car will make it. But, but he is making an assumption about the efficiency of that car to run on those last few drops of gasoline. The longer he drives, the less you begin to believe him. You're asking him now, how many more miles can this car run on a little gas? Now, in that analogy, the driver is the insurance company, and you, the passenger, are the policyholder. For the last 40 years, we've all been assuming that our car, we're driving in together, the world's interest rate environment, that's the car here, can produce 4% a year without a problem, without running out of gas, per se. But as low interest rates have prevailed, guys, over the last several decades, 
there are good reasons to renegotiate that rate and maybe to pull into the gas station and refuel. So by lowering the 7702 interest rate assumptions to something more fitting with our current reality, it is going to allow the insurance companies to maintain a sustainable business model. And since 7702 lowers the actuarial interest rate assumption for premiums to create a future death benefit, consumers are able then to put in more premium for that same amount of death benefit. Now, of course, the exact ratio is going to vary by age and health, product type, et cetera. But all other things equal, you can now put, and this is maybe a key takeaway, so come back to me if you're multitasking. I know it's some deep, heavy congressional stuff here. But now, under the new law, starting January 1st and really starting toward the end of this year as products are released by these insurance companies, you can now put in even more premium into this policy for less death benefit, and the cash value will be even greater over time. So you have a more efficient financial vehicle now by which to fund your financial future. So what does all this mean? This was a pleasant surprise when I found this out. I was pleasantly surprised. A lot of people were spelling doom and gloom for the insurance industry, and I think this is a reasonable and healthy solution. So it means that even though the post-7702 whole life policies will have a guaranteed lifetime growth that will be compressed, we'll be able to accommodate this with higher and larger amounts of money that can go into these policies. So more of the cash value growth will be affected now by your contributions and by the dividend rates. Now, these are dividend rates that can and do change. So less of your total growth will be derived from the company's guaranteed cash value trajectory that's baked into the contract. What this does not mean is that your guaranteed rate of return is coming down. I want to say that very clearly. Remember, these policies are not savings accounts. They don't have a, quote, guaranteed rate of return. But what they do have is a guaranteed cash value accumulation every single year. And that sounds sort of weird, but go back with me and listen to episode 197. Listen to that episode. It, it talks directly about how these insurance companies offer guaranteed growth and what's different about that from a guaranteed rate of return, end quote. So what it means instead is that there's a higher premium allowed to fuel your policies and to build even more cash value while limiting that death benefit to a smaller amount. What the insurance company has done here is they've pulled over their old car and they didn't just fill up the gas tank, but they traded that old car in for a much more efficient fuel sipping hybrid SUV. Now the car is much more fuel efficient and it can hold a larger gas tank since you know, this is a, an SUV now rather than an old beater car. This means you can add a lot more fuel to your vehicle and go a lot farther on the same amount of gas. Or you can add that larger gas tank and put a lot more premium into the policy and it builds cash value much more efficiently than the old policies did. Said another way, the rule change allows people to put more money into a life insurance policy before it becomes what's known as a modified endowment contract. So this creates a life insurance contract with less expense and a higher rate of return on premiums with respect to your cash value. So the IRS says that you can only put in so much cash into these policies because they want to define how much tax benefit you can really get. And the formula they've used historically has worked out under the assumption that you can get around 4% guaranteed returns. So now, in other words, we're no longer required to live by that 4% interest rate assumption. It, we're now able to have a floating rate, which will be keyed to prevailing interest rates at the time that the policy is issued. 
Okay. So in other words, we're no longer required to live by that 4% interest rate assumption. We're now able for the year 2021, 2022, 2023, and beyond to let that guaranteed interest rate ebb and flow based on whatever interest rates they've got at the time when they signed your contract. Okay. So when you get that contract is when they bake in that guarantee. So how does this impact bank on yourself? In other words, what does this do for you and your money? How does this impact a life insurance policy uh, where people are using it for cash value accumulation purposes? Most people are building up their whole life cash value with the expectation that somewhere down the road, they're going to take that money out of the policy and spend it in retirement or on their lifestyle for a period where tax rates might be dramatically higher than they are today. And the most immediate and obvious impact is that this new rate is to build a non-MEC premium will increase dramatically. What this means really is that you're going to be able to put a lot more money into a life insurance policy and get a lot larger cash value as a result. So the year-end change made by Congress will generally increase the amount of money that you can put into the policy and get that cash value account growing even faster. Though there are always, as always, there's some restrictions that remain, but I believe in general, this is going to be a positive for people who can afford to pack in additional wealth into their policies. So given the impending rise of income tax rates, I believe this represents a huge opportunity for uh, the folks that are ready and interested in starting new bank on yourself design policies. So at the end of it all, I'd say this is nothing short of a Christmas miracle. And uh, there's very few of those coming out of Congress these days. You know, I believe that this will be a big deal. It'll affect only new policies going forward. So if you've already got a policy uh, under the old dating system, you've still got the contract that you've always had, no changes there. Uh, so there's no change for those that already own bank on yourself designed whole life insurance policies. But I believe it's good news for folks that are wanting to add additional policies to their portfolio as it allows you to pack more money into the policy. So these better performing life insurance contracts will allow you to meet certain financial objectives even faster, meaning more cash value, more accumulation, and a more robust financial industry, life insurance industry that can help meet your challenges one day at a time. Uh, so I do believe this is good news and it's really helping the bank on yourself revolution. And for those that are wanting to use bank on yourself type policies for accumulation tools and as a way to safeguard against the future of possible higher taxes. So as it continues to become more and more attractive, we're finding more and more people are ready to join this revolution. And I'm glad that I could be a part of it with you as we continue into the new year and the, the remaining weeks of 2021. I hope you have a chance to research this and look into this for yourself. If you'd like to chat with me or ask any questions about these changes, give us a call at 1-800-962-9141 and we can connect and have a quick 15 minute call and answer any questions you might have. Uh, for that, this is it for this week's episode, guys. I'm looking forward to next week and the weeks to come as we wrap up 2021. It's already getting close to the end of the year, if you can believe it. Uh, so thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live different with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.